Hello, I'm Louisa Kiwana. Welcome to The Mix Podcast, part of my audio and visual project showcasing the unfiltered lives of people around the world and the ever-interesting intersection between culture, lifestyle and consumerism. Don't forget you can check out the behind the scenes of each episode on my Instagram handle at The Mix Project and tweet me at Louisa Kiwana. I know a lot of people will have a lot to say on this episode, but bring it on. Today we're talking about transcending race, to be seen beyond the colour of your skin and or racial identity. A complicated topic that's entangled in both systematic racism and also the ability to overcome racism, kinda. But anyway, from the house Negro to OJ Simpson and arguably even Fela Kuti and Beyonce, the ability to transcend race is a dream for some and an absolute nightmare for others. In this episode, I discuss with company the notion of transcending beyond your race. We unpack what this actually means and whether this is a progressive or reductive aspiration. Let's get into it. Um, On OJ, though, I think it spoke to the the fact that essentially the LAPD was on trial. Um, So instead of it being a trial about OJ Simpson's innocence or or guilt, it became a trial of the LAPD versus black people. So I think black people wanted him to be innocent for that. Um, And that then goes back to how OJ seemingly transcended race. So it's it's a very interesting (laughs) topic and, I guess, um, phrase. Um, But I... When I, when I think of the term transcendent race... Sorry, Julian. Yeah. Who are you? Who are <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Julian. Um, I work in, in consumer PR and I'm generally interested in things that have to do with, um, with, with African history, race, African-American history, that kind of stuff. Um, not professionally, I just, it's just what I do. Um, but uh, with the term transcendent race, it's interesting. I always think... Um, it is a term that I find troublesome because it's usually used by white people when they talk about a black person that does not make them feel uncomfortable or a black person that does not remind them of their whiteness and, the, and how this situated in a certain space. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about, please? Yes. Um, Muhammad Ali. So when Muhammad Ali passed away, there, was, there were a lot of... Um, obituaries and tweets of saying, you know, Muhammad Ali was everyone's hero, Muhammad Ali transcended race. And I think with a lot of people that um, sort of came to understand or know Muhammad Ali from the 80s till now, a lot of young people particularly, um, the Muhammad Ali they know is the Muhammad Ali from the Atlanta 96 Olympics, you know, when the Parkinson's had sort of set in, when uh, he was a Sunni Muslim, um, and there was this sort of really really um, sort of tame uh, version of Muhammad Ali. But if you go back to the 70s, you go back to the 60s, Muhammad Ali was, was radical, you know? And when you say Muhammad Ali transcended race, you just say, oh, because Muhammad Ali at the later part of his life was preaching about coming together and, you know, sort of moving forward, you know, you sort of forget about the really angry things he said, you know, you forget about his anti-Vietnam um, War stance, you forget about some of the racist things he said against, against white people. Um, so, but, you know, Muhammad Ali became this icon uh, that for a lot of people they say they, he transcended race, but that just meant 
he stopped making them feel uncomfortable. You know, he stopped reminding them that America is a racist society. He stopped reminding them that there's privileges that are unaccounted for, you know, that they still benefit from. And that's what I think, you know, when, when, when we use the term transcendent race, we mean. So if we bring it back to O.J. Simpson, um, O.J. ran away from his blackness because this was at a time when, you know, aligning yourself with being apolitical, you know, you know, when everyone was angry about the Vietnam War, when everyone was angry about inner city problems, OJ just said, you know, I'm going to make Chevy ads, you know, and, you know, they're going to give my check, you know, I'm going to run away from all that. But then you notice after the, after the trial, OJ became black again, <laughs> you know, and yeah. there, there, there's a video of him. Yeah, there's a video of him like essentially apologizing, saying, hey, look, like, you know, before this, I didn't know you guys were down for me. But, you know, I've come through, white people have, are treating me like, you know, I'm diseased. So yeah. I'm ready to yeah. come back into the fold. My mind is just flooded with so many things to say. I need to, like, structure my thoughts in alphabetical <laughs> order. So, I mean, I'm going to bring it to more of a macro level. Mm. When I was consulting, um, I was consulting for big brands for a while, big global companies that own big brands. Um, and they were interested in how these brands can expand into Africa. Mm. And I was really happy that they chose to work with me. But what transpired evidently throughout that interaction was that I'm black, but not too black, in their opinion. That was how that situation was mm. phrased inadvertently in a way. Mm. because. Sorry. I just want to interrupt. Can you just uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Okay. <laughs> so what I what I meant was, oh, we want somebody that's black and, and like wants to talk about black related things, but also someone that um, isn't a, isn't what they see as aggressive, or someone that speaks properly for a black person, what they expect a black person to speak like, whatever that's supposed to mean. So for me. Some people would see that as a positive thing, actually, and to maybe get to a place in your career where you're so successful that you can move fluidly between different people and different people aren't threatened. And actually, I got to a point when I thought that's not really something that I want to aspire to. Mm. To be an ethnic person, particularly in Britain, is to just not be white. Mm. So for me, to even have a race is to not be white um, and therefore to transcend your race. My understanding of that is to move beyond your ethnicity into essentially what is whiteness. Mm. So I, I, I guess I feel troubled when um, that's kind of prom promoted. You know, as we talk about what transcending race is and you just gave a nice kind of roundup there, to rise above the limitations or to just rise above. Do you not think that technically you are transcending race, if it is possible? Is transcending race possible? And are you doing it yourself? We talk about celebrities, but you've given me an example where people didn't feel threatened by you, therefore wanted to work with you, especially to reach a market that they find unreachable. You being you, educated, well-spoken, able to converse over many different topics, including black culture, you're never going to stop being those things. 
Therefore, will people not always find you approachable? You've obviously already, um, you've obviously always spoken about black culture, what it means to be a black woman in life, in love, in relationships, and work. So, how do you go about kind of managing that? I think there's a very big difference between being approachable and being, oh, she's black but not too black, you know, and uh, and 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 that for me is the line. And I think it comes down to this idea of who is defining the race part of this term, transcendent race. Um, and if it's about approachability, if it's about, um, as you were saying, this idea like you're black but not too black, it ends up just being this limited construction of what a black person should be like. You know, So if they feel like, oh, I want to talk to them, but I don't want to talk about race. I want to talk to them, but I don't want to talk about hip-hop and all these black things. And they talk to you, and they're like, oh, my God, yeah, they know about rock music, and they do brunch. And then, <laughs> you know, it feels like, it feels like they have things in, 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 common, in common with you because their um, idea of a black person is so limited. And once you step outside of that, that doesn't mean you're stepping outside of your blackness. It just means you're being a human being. But people have this really constricted idea of what a black person is like. And so when they meet a black person who does not conform to that um, stereotype. stereotype, exactly, they're kind of like, oh, okay, you're approachable. No, we're just human beings. I, you know, that you kind of hit the, the nail on the head there for me. Is that not what transcending race is? No longer being seen as a black person, but well, being guess, seen as yeah, a human but, but being. I guess, I guess you, could, you could flip it, and if there's a white person that I find you know, really cool, they're, they're transcendent race too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love know? that. So, because they're, they're, they're moving beyond um, a stereotype. I'm, just, I'm being facetious here, mm -hmm. but they're moving beyond a stereotype of you know, a white person that doesn't know anything about culture or doesn't know, doesn't know their, 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 I guess, location in, in, in the world and how they interact with... Um, with other people. But so, so I guess you could say they've transcended race too. Mm -hmm. So what does transcendent race mean for a white person? Because we know what it means yeah. for, for a black person is when a white person feels like they can talk to you uh, and okay, you're too black. Okay, but that's such a specific term. So yeah. if we wanted to generalize it, because race is not just black, it's any race, yeah. is it just basically being not being seen as the color of your skin, but being seen beyond that and above that? Is that what we want to say transcending race is? I suppose, in a simplistic way, yes. But then... Is that really possible? I mean, like, Nanda, do you think that it's possible to be seen and heard entirely outside of your race? You might you might experience that on an odd occasion with someone and someone might actually look at you as not black Nanda, but just Nanda. But I want to be seen as, can I just say, I want to be seen as black Nanda. Like, I'm very happy to be seen as, like, I feel like my blackness is very much a part of me. And when you see me, I want you to see my blackness. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's stereotypes within that, that people's ideas of what blackness is, but I feel like it very much informs who I am. So to see me and not see me my blackness is to not see me at all. Interesting. And I, and I, I feel the same. I don't, I, I don't know if I've always felt that way, but I feel more so that way now than any other time where I feel like you, you can't take my race away from who I am. But then I can't also say that there aren't situations where I want to be seen and to be seen, but not just by my race as well, you know? So 
Um, and, and, and that is actually not an issue with my race. That is an issue with how my race is perceived. Yeah, that's other widely. people's issue with yeah. your race and not your own. Yeah, well, just to add to that, I think we're also coming to a point in society where um, it's, it's a good thing but also has drawbacks in the sense of really owning our stories and and being given the the opportunity and the right to construct our own narratives. So the positives in that is is black people are now telling black stories, you know, positively and telling them in the myriad ways that we know how to. The I won't say negative, but the flip side to that is um, whenever there's an issue that is deemed black or deemed racial or deemed in any way um, controversial, we just automatically you know, default to, can we find a black person who can, who can speak on that? Um, and I think what that then causes is non-black people um, end up not educating themselves, not reading, not really delving into the cultural intelligence that's needed to navigate the world. And they just say, all right, black things are for black people, white things are for, are for us. Um, and it, it, it comes to, to a point when, I mean, we, we saw this lately with... Um, the protest over, um, there was a painting in, in, in New York at, at the Whitney. Um, it was a painting of Emmett Till, who was killed in the 50s. Um, he was murdered by a gang of white guys. And uh, he was, his face was so um, badly disfigured. Um, and he was, he was, he was thrown, thrown in the river, so his face had swollen and was badly disfigured. And his mother decided to have an open casket just to, to show the world that this is what racism has done to her son. And that picture was on the cover of Jet Magazine in 57, I believe. And a white artist painted this. Um, she painted it's a sort of abstract cubist style. And it was at the Whitney in, in New York for their... Uh, I think bicentenary or something like that. Anyway, and the, but the protests were like, you know, white artists should not paint Emmett Till. A white artist doesn't have a right to enter this conversation. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that at all. I don't, you know, I don't s subscribe to that. But that's a different thing because it's, I don't know, it's a different thing to tell someone's story, but then to like have a conversation about race. It's like a bit, a bit of it is about ownership. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the problem with that, is that but, but they're I, using it for their own, the artist is using it for their own benefit, not necessarily, like they haven't necessarily had a history of delving into these kind of subjects, these topics. It's a bit random that all of a sudden you're now concerned about like the black, I, black yeah. racism when historically you've never really challenged that, you don't but have I, any history of that. Mm. So it's a bit like all of a sudden you now are concerned about... But I think in the American context, though, one, one thing we have to remember is black history is American history. So if, black, if, if, we, if we sort of construct the narrative as only black people can talk about black history, it lets white people off the hook. So I, but I don't see how pay, this painting is opening up a conversation about that. I think white... And black history is definitely a part of American yeah. history, but I just don't think this painting necessarily... Uh, you know, N Nandi, you make some really good points, but... Are we making assumptions or do we know this for a fact? Do we know that this artist, because I didn't know about this, yeah. so this is all new you know, information to me. So I'm interested. I would be upset to think that a white person or any person was appropriating of black pain. And Emmett Till mm. was such a big story. And that would, that would upset me and to, to get money off of this. However, no, she, well, what she, if it is a genuine person yeah. who has had you know, history in... Um, painting black history and black stories or whatever. If that was the case, would you look at it differently? 
Yeah, I think that yeah, was definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll just add to that saying she was never going to sell the painting, so it was, it was never for sale. Um, and she approached it as a mother. That that was her sort of point of entrance of you know if I were a mother and this happened to my son, um, you feel the pain. Um, so essentially, what I'm trying, I, I can see the point of saying this is appropriating black pain, especially in this point in time, mm-hmm. you know when there's a lot of of African Americans being killed and visibly so. Um, but I think we get into a dangerous point when we sort of um, balkanize ourselves to these views where white people talk about white stuff, black people talk about, about black stuff. When the, how how far can we break it down? You know, to all right, if you're Native American, you talk about Native American stuff. If you are Nigerian, um, Nigerian African American, you talk. About, yeah. So it gets to this point where no one can even talk. Not it's not. We're not saying speak for, mm. but speak about. Mm. And I'm bursting. I'm bursting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um. So actually. I want to share a story happened last week and I haven't had a chance to even speak about it. So, um, you know, there's a new uh, series on Sky Atlantic called Gorilla that's coming out, right? So I went to the screening of the first episode um, of Gorilla and this movie is a what-if scenario. So it's based in London and it is based in the 70s uh, and around the London riots at that time. But it is what if the London riots were violent? So basically, what if British people approached um, racial oppression at that time in the same way Americans did? What would have happened? That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Um, so the uh, lead actor is Babo Sisse, um, and his... He's the protagonist, male protagonist. The female protagonist is Frida Pinto. I'm a big fan of Frida Pinto. I think she's super talented and very beautiful. But she is leading the black power movement Mm. in this series. And not only is she leading it as a female, particularly in this first episode, which is all I watched... Um, she's actually got more gusto than the men in the film. You know, she's the one who's, she's like the ride or die chick, like, are you down or what? So the question in the Q&A at the end of the screening uh, to uh, John Ridley, who also produced 12 Years of a Slave, uh, 12 Years of a Slave, which I didn't particularly like, um, and Idris Elba, uh, Frida Pinto, Babusise, and another gentleman whose name I don't know, but he basically plays a racist police officer in the thing. So someone r- rightfully asked, why don't you have any black women in the film? And what was the, and, and not criticizing, but just asked, what was the decision to play the lead female protagonist as an Asian Indian and not as a black woman? And the black woman in the film was actually like, um, it wasn't really clear whether she was like a mistress or like a concubine, but basically she was a woman who was sleeping with a racist cop and they had a baby and she was basically <laughs> tucked away in a flat in the corner whilst he was married and whatever, whatever. Anyway, so they asked, but in summary, it was a very awkward dynamic. Um, the director didn't answer the question. The women in the audience who did ask the question were sort of accused of being aggressive, almost like the angry black of women course. sort of thing. Um, and 
Yeah, so then... and and the, She cried because it seemed as if the audience were not able to look beyond her being an Indian in the film and couldn't have anything to say about her performance or anything like that. And that it was all, caught, it was all tied around the fact that why is an Indian playing a black what should be essentially a black person's role in the opinion of the audience. So I just thought it was interesting on so many levels because I thought, one, I bet Frida wishes she could transcend race right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that they have the right to tell whatever story they want to if they're saying it's fiction and this is just a scenario that I've created. I, but it was definitely very um, awkward, but it was a good question to ask and it was what everybody else was thinking I thought it but I was just so surprised that the creators of the film were so reluctant and almost defensive about talking about something that is really obvious they should have been more open to talk about it and the fact is I, I guess at the time like during the 70s there was an idea about like political blackness so if you weren't white you were politically black. So there were a lot of... So they could have said that. That is probably a fact that during that time, like, if you were Asian, like, you were, you described yourself as black yeah. because you were non-white. It's the Black Panthers. I mean, there are times when I think, okay, fair enough, you want to put other races in something. I don't understand. I logically cannot fathom... Especially Why? in this time, like this day and age. I, like, I know it was a what if scenario, but were they saying what if the Black Panthers weren't all black people? What was the scenario? Uh, well, no, I think what John Ridley also said was that they were Indian women. Yeah, that is in, true. In that movement. Mm -hmm. So it, it then becomes a question less about being accurate, but more about why are we telling the story? And I think that's the problem that um, Hollywood, I'm just going to use Hollywood in general to mean film industry in the UK and everywhere, but what stories do we tell and why do we tell the, tell the stories? Yes, there were Indian women in, in the movement. Yes, there were you know white indentured servants mm -hmm. doing slavery. Mm -hmm. But then imagine if you tell a film, you know, starring, I don't know, Brad Pitt about the one white slave, yeah. you know, and it's like, this is supposed to be- <laughs> Could you imagine you know? the one white slave? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah, you know, Amazing. but it's one of those things where it's like, well, yes, that happened, but why are we telling the story? Because every other story has not been told, you know, if you look at a film like um, the, Last the Last Samurai, there's the one white guy in, in Japan, and you're like, well, yeah, it probably happened, but there's a, there's a reason why we're telling the story, yeah. it's because we want to promote that narrative of, you know, the white savior, we want to promote a narrative of, oh, Asian movies don't sell, or mm. you know, a star that is Japanese who no one knows would not promote, would not sort of sell this film. Yeah. Um, so I can see where Jun really was coming from with trying to be historically accurate. Like, yes, there was an Indian woman, you know, in this, mm -hmm. but there were loads of black women. There were more black women than Indian women in the yeah. movement. Oh, yeah. So let's be, um, let's be real, or you mm -hmm. know. But I can also see his flip side of saying, I want to tell a nuanced story you know of say, as uh, as Nanda was saying about about really promoting this idea of political blackness which we don't talk about much these days yeah <laughs> but but we live in a western society and when we start talking about the things that we want as black people we have to remember that so when we talk about transcending race and I still want to kind of answer the question is it possible okay I'm not very well versed on African culture I'm not, I hold up my hands to that you know I'm an African woman 
but I don't know my history as well as I should or I could. Mm. But when we look, look at artists like Fela Kuti or, mm. um, you know, people like Ngozi, I don't know her last name. Shumamanda Ngozi I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> but like, in that culture, they are big. They are very well known. Fela Kuti yeah. played all across the world. Yeah. Did he transcend race? Because if I ask, you know, a typical white guy from South London who's Fela Kuti was, he's going to be like, who? What are you talking about? Or even Ngozi or whatever, Beyonce it, it, kind of brought her to the mainstream in the recent, in the, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I sort of, I, I want to know. I, I have a problem with that. <laughs> I'm not, not going to go into that. Uh, I just, I don't think. Beyonce I'm just snatching off, uh, snatching the mic off Tina. Julian, I've sure. got a question for you, only because <laughs> yeah. I know that you're a Beyonce fan. Huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Working on a project um, at work around beauty, cosmetics, particularly beauty for black women. Mm. And we were looking at, um, we wanted to compile like a collage of aspirational beauty women who uh, represent what is what it is to be beautiful in terms of aspiration for black women. Mm. So we had this kind of um, deliberation whether Beyonce should be on this list mm. or not. And that was because Beyonce is not aspirational this is the general consensus mm. she's not as she's not a she's not so much a beautiful black woman or a, a beautiful for black women she's mm. just beautiful for everyone right well, okay. so actually she didn't get on this collage because it seemed that she didn't personify specifically black beauty right. that she is more mainstream beauty right so she definitely in this conversation yeah. transcended, transcended race yeah Okay, um, there's, I have several problems with that. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> First problem I have is this go, goes back to this really limited view of what black people are or what black people are like or how black people look. And I hear this a lot from, I've had conversations with white people saying, oh, I, I didn't know Beyonce was, was black or I thought Beyonce was mixed. Yes, I've had that. Does that surprise you? <laughs> Uh, they, yeah, they, they, it just didn't... Because white people, a lot of white people do not have to think about race, they do not think about race. Mm. And so um, they look at Beyonce as operating in, in a vacuum. I guess after formation of Lemonade, you, you had to accept <laughs> that you know, the conversation was about blackness. Um, but this idea that uh, Beyonce um, transcends race because of her looks... Well, there's many black women that look like Beyonce. You know, there's many black women with black parentage on both sides that look like Beyonce in the, in the States and all around the world. Um, and so it then goes back to what have we internalized about blackness and what have we internalized about um, black looks. And yes, I'm not going to deny that society, uh, Western society has pushed th this idea of what... Um, is venerated and what is despised, you mm -hmm. know, the thin nose, the straight hair. So I mean, I, if a black person does not look like your yeah. quote-unquote black person, mm -hmm. then suddenly there's a question mark on their blackness. It's much easier said than done. And it's easy it is, to be it, unapologetic when you don't have anything to lose. Or, we or, all but, have but, things to lose. No, 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 stop you there. We all have things when, to lose. So but when you're vulnerable, honest. like a lot of people we in society are vulnerable, are vulnerable. But I think you have to be okay with it within yourself. And I think that's the first step is like yeah. kind of owning your blackness and being like... I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. And I don't think it's like but, overnight. And I know not everybody's like that. It's because even my friends have said to me... like. I, 
me personally, I I don't think I sort of like what's the word? I don't know what the word is. Like I I don't think you like suck up or I don't think you Yeah, I yeah. don't have and I genuinely have never had that personality. What, what do you when you say this, do you mean tone down your blackness? Yes, I don't do even mean? know what it means because I d- I've never particularly done it. And I don't mean it in a, like, trying to... Be, I'm not trying yeah, to be Yeah, but I, I want to know, like, literally, what is it well, just like, like, an apologetic like, In chat? terms of, like, talking about, I don't know. Um, so one of my friends... So I really like Bashman. So at work, I'll talk about it. I'll be like, yeah, when I'm in the club, this is how I dance. I send my friends videos, like... And I think... And maybe a lot of people don't do that. And I like, yeah, I'll have conversations with you about race, about language, about da da da. But yeah, I still like going in the clubs and like dancing, however. And I think it's like being okay with it within yourself. And I'm not saying like everybody's okay. And I don't think it's always overnight. Yeah. But I think I've always just, <laughs> like, or how, even how I speak, I don't know. I don't even know if I speak, I don't know how I speak. But like some of my, I've heard my friends say, oh, you know, when they get to work, they try and speak a certain way. And mm-hmm. I've, I personally have never... Well, I don't even know how I sound. Our friend Trisha always says I sound like I'm off of EastEnders. Can I just, can I just so, say, I, I, I definitely adjust myself for the work environment. Oh, see, I... 100%. Yeah, but this, sorry, just to go into what Louise is saying, I'm listening to Lando and I'm just like, what? I understand what you're saying. Now, there are things that I like to do in clubs. I listen to a bit of house music and a bit of techno from time to time. I love a bit of dance music, actually. But I don't go to work and start talking about how I love dance music and the things I get up to on the weekend. Not because I'm black or ashamed to be black, because I just want to be professional and I want them to see a certain side of me. And when I say professional, no, I don't see it as a professional. I don't want to start offending people. I'm not saying it's unprofessional. I'm just saying I I, I look at the, the surroundings and I adjust to that. Right. And I still have a massive personality, but I don't need to start showing people certain sides of me where they're going to start looking at me but funny. Because I'm black. Should your environment also adjust to you? Right. I'm. I'm. I'm going to say. I think. I think we're sort of conflating two things. Um, and it's not. It's not something that that I, I see just in this in this setting. But the concept of being unapologetically un- black. I think sometimes people interpret that as being ratchet. No. I think being uh, being unapologet- unapologetically black is just being yourself, yeah. you know. And in yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, if yeah, if you no, no, but 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 but, but if you're ratchet, if you're ratchet, own your ratchetness. That's what I'm saying. No, so no, if, no, 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 <laughs> no, essentially, I can't, what I'm, I can't own it at work. But what, what I'm trying to say is, why? if, because, because if there was, why? why can't you own that at work? Because one, I feel like people will associate your ratchetness with your blackness, yes. and, that, and, and that's Correct. wrong, Correct. right? Ratchet, yeah, no, but ratchetness, you know, exists outside blackness, and I think it does. It does. <laughs> but even the ratchetness that exists in blackness is good. It is. Who's to say? Who's to say that the ratchetness that I can't tell you that word, but that ratchetness that <laughs> exists in blackness like who's to say that it's not a good thing like it's just a thing but like we kind of need to not look at it as a good or bad thing or it just is a thing as just being a thing yeah. and that's yeah, okay like if you look, look at, at my chavy little white girl it's not just us 
they do it to themselves as well. As long as you're no, but they're still seen as other. Because if you look into the history of that, that's another like the, the Irish. Girl from no, but that I, the too much Irish and English. Like that's Fine, a, that's the a different. No dogs, no blacks, no yeah. Irish. I get that. But what about the no? But it's even older than that. So that likes to tan and has the cheapest hair extensions. But that's okay. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. All of these people get judged. We get judged as well, and we yeah. they associate that with the black, and I don't know how they associate with the chubby little white girl. I don't know. I, I, and probably this is not a healthy way to be um and you know it might it might be another conversation about, about things that contribute to mental health <laughs> another time but I, I i definitely think i fall into that category of people that sometimes over segment their mm. lives mm. and you know i have a way in which i am with my friends and i'm very comfortable and that's actually probably my optimum mm. me yeah. you know that en encompasses everything mm. And then there is a way that I am at work, but I that I also don't feel that I need to be, because you know, because at work I'm just going there to, to hit specific goals. You know, I'm trying to target certain things, get pro progression, maybe have a little banter in between, but that's you know, but that's about it. But then I I also don't think it's healthy if there is a group of people that feel that they can't be themselves. Particularly yeah, if you I think, think about, sad. particularly like, if you think about the I feel, amount of time I feel like that you if spend you can't show those other bits yourself, maybe it's because I if work in. The, if you want to, I also work in, I guess, an industry that I feel like my personality and my interests very much inform the work I do. I feel like I'm kind of lucky because okay. things that I'm interested in, I get to do at work. If that makes sense, yeah. things that I like. So, like, I work in programming. So, like, if I think there's like a cool artist that I've just seen outside of work. And then I can maybe program them and bring them into an event at work. So maybe there's a bit of privilege within that, mm. in that it's okay for my tastes and my mm. experiences and my cultural references to inform what they I do. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they, they definitely... They enhance your job, if anything. Yeah, they definitely do enhance my job. So there is a bit of privilege. So maybe it's all right for me to say, oh, yeah, I listen to this music, blah, 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 because mm. then I might be able to bring that artist to my workplace. But... Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. I think I've 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 hit a, a fantastic milestone at work, where people understand my hair, mm. and <laughs> that's a milestone. Honestly, it's 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 amazing, but it's it's more because one, when I was hired, they knew that I'm interested in black things or whatever, so they gave me an opportunity to talk about stuff I wanted to talk about. So I talked about hair, I talked about diversity, whatever, yeah. and then we're working on a project that's very much about hair and beauty and stuff like that. So and and hair and beauty for black women. So in doing so and deconstructing what that means for black women, I also have to present what that means for me as an individual. Yeah. So it allows me to be able to come to work in my natural hair one day and then be able to come into work with a 22-inch lace front yeah. the next day and actually have the freedom to say, yeah, 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 I'm just wearing hair extensions or I'm wearing a wig yeah. or no, this is just my natural hair or I'm getting my hair done tomorrow. But, and that makes me feel really, really free or freer. Mm. But for the majority of my working life, I haven't been able mm. to explain those things. Mm. And I have to... Sorry, haven't been able to? Haven't been able to or didn't feel comfortable doing it. I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And also feeling like I wouldn't have had the... People wouldn't have given me the... Here, I'm about to nail this point right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, listen. Um, it's landing. So, 
at WOW this year, the WOW uh, Women of the World Festival, there was a woman, uh, Renee... The, okay. So, um, so there was, there was a lady and she was basically talking about, she has this book and she was talking about feminism and that, the, that feminism is gen- it's generally an agenda that exists for white women and white middle class women. And saying that actually she's received a lot of animosity when she wants to talk about feminism, but from a black perspective. So she's written this book saying why I don't talk to white people about race. And this book is not saying that she doesn't talk to white people about race at all. But it is saying that there is a subset of white people who are just who just don't want to talk about drama that you have about race or don't want to hear about your problems or they turn it into white guilt exactly so um she was saying for that subset of people i don't feel like i have to talk to them Mm. about it Mm. and i'm not going to you know Mm. and i shouldn't feel that i have to be the black ambassador just because i'm the only black person in the room thank you so it's not a case of feeling like I can't talk about it, but there is no point in having a conversation with people that really don't want to hear what you're saying, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that Exactly. So, it, so sometimes if I come to work in previous places, I've come to work with a bus card. I'm like, oh, oh, you look like Grace Jones. And it's like, actually, I don't look like Grace Jones at all. At, you know, not, not even in the slightest. I just have really short hair. And even when you engage people in those conversations, sometimes there's the, the level of ignorance is so intense that it doesn't warrant actually me giving any of my time to. Another part as well is that you shouldn't have to explain it. Like, I feel like if anybody wants to learn something, yeah, they'll go on YouTube, Google. Like, if you want to understand black hair, yeah, there's like a million YouTube videos. You don't have to, like, make some a black woman feel uncomfortable about talking about these things in the middle of the office on a Monday morning. Like, oh, where's your hair gone? Or whatever, like, whatever the question is. Every day. Is that I think sometimes, like, that the responsibility should be taken off that person of colour or that woman, whatever. And kind of like, you can go out. If you wanted to learn about something else, you just go on the internet and kind of learn, like, why do I have to explain yeah, but how my hair works? Like, yeah, I don't want anyone asking me, like, how it works, where my hair's gone. I just don't want those questions. When it's a genuine question, I don't mind. It's just when it's actually a question you don't even want the answer to, you're just speaking. Mm. For the, you're making a statement for the sake of it? I'm, I'm aware that time is running low. So I want mm-hmm. to make a point and kind of ask a question to everyone in the group. So we're all obviously very professional people. Mm. And we obviously all work with different types of people. And I'm assuming we're probably in the minority in our True. workplaces. I'm not sure about you, Nanda, because you work with different cultures. But right. So I, wanna, I want you to kind of all answer the question. Have you transcended work um, race in your workplace? Have you translated? Do people look at you like, actually, Julian's a black guy, so let's go and speak to him about this PR agency or this 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 um, uh, client? Mm. Or do people say, actually, Julian's brilliant at writing a press release, mm. so let's get him on the job? I want to know that kind of for each of you and your experiences in your workplaces. Right. Um, oh, that's an interesting question. Right. Um, I still have a have a fundamental problem with transcendent rates. So. Yes, in my office, um, I am one of two black people in that twenty-something person office, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm the head of diversity and inclusion in the office. So those things naturally, because of my 
<laughs> let him finish. Let because him finish. of my role, those those questions and those issues would naturally come to me because yeah, that's yeah, my role. Exactly. Um, and um, but then the 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 question of you know do people see me as black? Yes, they do because I am black, and they know that these are the things I'm interested in mm-hmm. and these issues of justice and and issues that have to do with you know promoting black and ethnic minority issues I'm passionate about and I do. Um, so I have not, if if you define transgender race uh, as, you know, do, are people sort of seeing me as this sort of like OJ whiteness? No. And I don't want, I don't ever want to be seen like that. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm transgender race and I don't want to transcend race. It's, it's, a, it's a problematic term. Um, I don't want to transcend race. I mean, the long-term future, we all know that race is a construct, you know, so I want to see a world, I know I'm never going to see it in my lifetime, but a world where it doesn't matter anymore. Um, how do we get there? Whew, I don't even know. But um, but the idea that, I, that you know, I, make, I should make people feel comfortable by not reminding them of my blackness or by not reminding them of the injustices that America or the UK has done, no, I, I never want to be in that space. I never, I never want to make people feel comfortable because I don't remind them of you know past injustices. That's not what I'm here for. So yeah, I, I don't think I transcend race. You know, when it comes to issues that have to deal with race, I'm very vocal. And you know, when people might want to shift to another conversation, I bring it back if I don't think that it's been given. It's due. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, making people feel uncomfortable is what I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so, it's my cool. job. <laughs> do you know what's really sexy right now? You know, on if you're talking, if you're talking about commodification, mm. diversity. Mm. Honestly, it is... But very surface level, just and, to say. And, and particularly in my sort of line of work where you're working with a whole range of different types of people that are trying to think about what's the next best thing? How do we frame ourselves? How do we look authentic? How do we do this? Not not how can we be authentic? How can we do better? How can we look like? How can we look like? How can we look like? Diversity is, and sometimes, you know, because particularly in, in Insight, which is where I work, we do a lot of trends-related stuff. So you kind of get a sense of foreseeing things that will be sexy in six months' time. So if it's not trend, if it's not, sorry, diversity, then we know, okay, mental health is coming up. That's going to be a really big thing, you know? So sometimes because of that, I don't know if I have like a a great sense of it, but I can to an extent sniff the BS. Diversity and I hate the word. And it should be diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I will say, I don't know. I hate all these words. And I, but like, I think that's another, like, it's just another approach. And that I for am some not people... talking on a mass level. I am talking on a very individual basis but about my own experience and the things that I'm involved in. So, no, I don't think I've transcended race. I don't intend to. I hope I don't. I think there have been situations where there have been opportunities posed to me that I might gain privilege by subscribing to that kind of behavior but 
I've felt uncomfortable and probably not been able to articulate it properly at that time. But over time, realized that that's probably why I felt uncomfortable is because it was, it was unnatural and unauthentic and pretentious. I have a, a, such a random question. I um I know because I don't want to get too much into religion and stuff, but I believe that we have souls. So I want to know: is your soul black? No, what does no, he, no. What this does is this mean? is a general. If you if you believe you have a soul, is your soul black? Because before I was a black person, I was a soul. No, but it, but this is what I'm saying. I recognise that I'm a black woman, but I am a spirit, a soul, a being of something that we're all, all a part of, collective consciousness. So I don't want the black fight to be my only fight. I want my humanity fight to be a fight that I want to fight well. Yeah, can I just nip that in the bud? First and foremost, I don't think that my soul is a race, right? Because race, because race is a construct, exactly. So I, I don't think that I am a black soul or a white soul. I believe that I'm a soul, and that's my and that's my morality. Yeah, yeah. Everyone always says, oh, that's a construct as, like, a way of arguing out of it. Everything's a construct. Like, I don't know, like, this table here is a construct. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Your thoughts are... Yeah, like, it is... It's, it's, it's one of those things that people always say, oh, but gender's a social construct. Whatever, sexuality is a... So but I don't know, like, everything's a, a construct. So, I don't know, I feel like it's like a get-out that people use that doesn't really mean anything. Sorry, that's just my own, like, personal views. Uh, my it, feeling is, and again, uh, with my French kind of cultural background, my, my feeling is the day we, a younger and older generation, will be actually knowledgeable. What I mean knowledgeable is like we quiz you about dates in history and you actually do know what you're talking about. The day we'll understand better the relationship uh, Western countries had with their colonies all over the world from uh, Latin America to the Pacific and obviously to Africa. Um, and also the day we understand actually where we're coming from, I don't mean by that question where my dad or my mom or my grandma or grandpa was born. I mean literally where my, what is my family tree? Where did my ancestor come from? What, you know, the day you understand and you master that knowledge, I think it is the day where as a human being, whatever your race is, because that's a very contemporary yeah. expression, that's the day where you would feel less and less uncomfortable talking about these things. Because I still have a feeling, if I may say, despite everything I've heard tonight, and, and it is very valid, everything that everybody says, but I still feel like, yes, Black people here in London, because again, for me, London is not the construct. It's not the UK construct. London is London. Say, yeah. But yeah, go and compare. Go and compare London with Berlin, with Amsterdam, with Paris, with Rome. Uh, yeah, but but they're from a big city to another. Yeah, like go London compare. Is a, it is a bit of a bubble. But it's also not that amazing. Like, people always talk about, oh, London's such a melting, blah, 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 blah. I hate that, because it's not really. It like, is. It is. <laughs> and it's maybe because it's no. maybe because Londoners spend too much time actually in their city. No, 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 and, no. no, no. Well, what I mean by that, of course, I'm not trying to say that there are not, like, lots of people from lots of different places. Like, you sit on the central line, whatever. Like, you see, like, people from here, from whatever. I'm not trying to say that. But I mean the integration element or, like, the the... The like, 
the like the space that people think that we've come to in terms of understanding different cultures or different races or different religions, different experiences, we're not there. So we're not a, we are melting pot in the essence that yes, there's we are physically yeah, close physically, to each there's other. There's a lot yeah. of people from a lot yeah. of different places that are not the UK yet. Of course, that's yeah, undeniable. But, still very but in terms of understanding each other, integrating with each other, we're just not at that place. And I feel like from my experience in London, but also something that I've observed, you know, at the Africa Centre and also what the Africa Centre allows me to do is being invited to all sorts of events and all sorts of art exhibition and sometimes all sorts of fancy parties where I do meet people of all colours, all religion, but they're all dressed nicely and they all drink wines, even if some of them will fast during the months of Ramadan, you know, that's their personal story. But what I see when I enter that room, everybody's happy, drinking champagne, it's art and everybody loves art. So basically, going back to what you were saying, earlier people don't see your, your skin color that day it's all about what links you as human beings about your passion what drives you and hence your skin color is completely irrelevant at that moment so going back to the equation about transcending race and climbing the social and economic ladder isn't it where the, the problem is not the problem of about the word race itself this is already here it's in the dictionary and unless i don't know how many centers it will take one human being that that person might be white maybe some white people already fought for it to be taken out of the dictionary who knows and that also goes back to a comment i made about taking ownership and actually understanding where you're coming from where ancestors were coming from and what is the uk how was this constructed what are the key dates that make the uk the uk of today and i'm sure you you take 100 people 100 people under the age of 35 right here right now in the street and you ask them give me 10 dates about the UK history. No one is capable of doing so. Very few of them will be. And it's not about they've never been to school. It's because people that are so focused about, I'm sorry, but to me, about, oh, I'm black, or oh, I'm white, or oh, I'm this, and oh, I'm that. But, you know, the, the, the whole core, the whole genesis of it all, and which is where, for me, the power lies, understanding your history, understanding where you're coming from, understanding who were your ancestors and not where your mom was born. I'm really talking because, let's face it, we're like Max, the second generation of European at this table. I am the first generation, which means that before me, none of my ancestors ever touched the European soil. And I don't even understand that story. So I personally feel uncomfortable especially being born in France and come and criticize French so much because at the end of the day, that's all I know of who I am, you know? Yeah. And you were just saying you don't even speak. And it's not a criticism, it's just a, yeah, fact. It is a fact. And you have yeah. to embrace that. You, you, you just have to be aware of that mm. and you have actually to, to, you know, to fight for it. And you want to be African? Fine. Exactly. You know, start by understanding where your parents are from, where your grandparents are from, where the grandparents of your grandparents were from. Uh, speak because your I think, I think so really, I, I, I understand think what you're saying. Too much victims, and I think that it's unhealthy. I really feel that it is unhealthy. But it's also not for you to decide. Right. Like it's is for you, you for your your own personal story is that it for you because you don't know your ancestry, blah blah blah. Like your great 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 grandmother, where they were from. For you, many, so, many don't know. No, 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 many. no. But that's your personal. But what I'm saying is that that's not to deny someone else's understanding of who they are because they don't have those facts. Like 
Nobody it is fair to say no, if I may that it is your no 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 I'm just saying that as a human someone else if I may I'm just saying that as a human being it is important for one to understand his or her past whatever that is that signification in order to better assess a present situation is about the genesis uh, the middle story and end of the line yeah i'm you trying know? to i'm tr- just to summarize what i think you're saying mm-hmm. are you saying that you're not you're not saying that oh this is what everybody should do but you're saying if you feel some type of way about this situation then you need to do something about it yes and to start by finding out your history yes where you're from Go as far back as you can, assess the situation now, and then figure out a way to get where you want to get. Yes, it's about people finding their own ways to feel step-by-step comfortable in their own skin, whatever being comfortable in your own skin definition might be. And sometimes it's not necessarily dealing with the color of the skin. It's just your own skin as a human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that can be, if I want to expand that discussion, that could be, uh, you know, people with their sexual preferences, that could be people with their uh, spirit spiritual beliefs that could be mm-hmm. people in the the, the 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 darkness or the fairness of their skin complexion that can go so deep and that is very valid for anyone yeah anytime at any given time yeah and going back to what you were saying uh because you said something very important about um uh when we were talking about taking ownership and history i mean what if that it might happy? be it might be naive yeah. for me to say and I would understand if people find this completely, like, you know, unacceptable. But, you know, take America. In the... America has... Black people in America has suffered tremendous amount of trauma. Mm-hmm. Awful things in this 20th century that no one in Europe... I mean, I have not read a history book yep. that said that, you know, black European or black people in Europe have suffered so as much. much as the people in America. Take out the 60s. Yep. But what they did, what they did, you know, they took... They took they, okay, they took ownership of that problem... Mm-hmm. And they had civil rights movement, very, very strong. Yeah. And whatever storm were coming at us, they fought for it. And in the end, they sort of won that battle. Yeah. And I feel like here in Europe... We, we don't do the same, whereas we, we play don't, the... We the keep on complaining a lot, than. a lot, a lot, yeah. but we don't actually take action for radical change. Can I, can I just interject and just say that we have to now end this conversation um and i would like to thank you so much all for taking part thank you yeah um and thank you all for your views um and i i'm gonna open this we are celebrating so many things oh my gosh one my just existence in general (laughs) um yeah to actually getting to the stage to do this podcast thank you very much kareen for really being the engine to drive my vision for this forward for a while now and really seeing what i had planned to do this um julian thanks so much for coming tina just thanks for being amazing nanda thanks for being bomb um, and yeah, and then it's my birthday tomorrow. I'm turning 30. So, 30, 30, 30, 30. So, yeah. And Julian, you haven't responded to my Facebook invite, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting still. But <laughs> right now, we need an answer right now. You are as you know what? All right, well, thank you very much, everyone. All right, over and out. Let's call it a day. Thanks. <laughs>